Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. Hey, George. How much boogie was in your night tonight, man? How's your boner? (laughs) (laughs) How much boogie? What kind of question is that? How much boogie was in your night? Uh, None. I was like (laughs) sitting on the couch, like eating a Mr. Good bar like a fat slob. Doesn't seem like you had too much boogie tonight at all. No, no boogie. Nevertheless, uh, we all watched uh, Boogie Nights from the late 90s. Uh, George, how you feeling, man? Uh, great. There you go. I'll take it. Travis, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'll take it. That was, that was a better delivery than Honorable Lecter. He, there was it. very loaded what he just said there. <laughs> we'll see how loaded it is. Uh, I'm doing all right. Not, not, uh, I've been better, been worse. How's that? As my dad would say. Yeah, I mean, cool. How about you? How's Dan doing? <laughs> yeah, no one ever asks Dan how he's doing. Yeah, nobody ever cares about poor Dan. Uh, <laughs> no, we care about you. We just don't ask. Dan's doing well. Dan has no complaints, except that we're starting this recording uh, two hours later than normal. So, Well, it'll be a short episode, I think. I, was, I thought it would be kind of lengthy, but... <laughs> hey, now. Hey. <laughs> In some ways. Hey. <laughs> Uh, and if not, right, we can we always do it again uh, for the other angle. Guys, yes. Boogie Nights. <laughs> George, we didn't tell you anything about what this movie was about. What, uh, what's your initial impression? You go in not knowing what you're going to watch. You see this movie. Yeah, even we had the trailer. <laughs> so we kind of knew what to expect. Uh, my initial impression? I mean, honestly, when it ended, you know, the movie's done, and I'm like, how do I feel about this movie? Right, Same I'm, I'm trying to. Then. I'm trying to like. How do I? How do I feel about it? What did I just watch? And honestly, I, I, I could have went my whole life and never seen this movie and been fine. Like I feel like this tragedy kind of story has been has been told uh, better mm-hmm. in other movies, and. This is kind of just like, you know, a bunch of shit that I guess, you know, people in the 80s wanted to see or 90s. But I'm like, meh. I th- for me, I think this, didn't, made, this didn't really do it for me. Right. What made this big back then, because again, what year was it, Dan? Was it 98, 99? 97, I think. Yeah. yeah so maybe maybe I need some perspective. I, I don't know. Okay, 97. I was still working at the movie theater. This was one of the first times you were getting A-list actors doing full frontal stuff, uh, acting Burt Reynolds who was the uh, the older gentleman mm-hmm. the director yep. uh, seeing him in this role was kind of like when Travolta in Pulp Fiction played Vincent mm-hmm. he had had a string of bombs like he was he, he, he was nothing anymore he no one was hiring him for anything because he just couldn't put a movie together. Okay. And then he got Pulp Fiction, which, you know, took his career in another direction. Same right. thing. Robert Downey Jr. had the same kind of career. Mm-hmm. Iron Man changed everything. For this, Burt yeah, Reynolds... I think it was Sherlock Holmes, but go ahead. Well, Iron Man made him a much bigger I'm just household kidding. name. Yeah. Uh, Burt Reynolds wasn't washed up, but he was always like a sex symbol, funny... Like 80s, 70s, 80s, he was kind of like the Harrison Ford leading man. Yeah, it's okay to say he was washed up at the no, time. No, he wasn't washed up. He just, when he got older, he wasn't kind of, it wasn't his, castable. His career was slowing down. I don't know you if know, it was no slowing big deal. Down. I just think he wasn't ha- working. Ha- he chose to, not to work. Happens to everybody, you know? Right. Especially <laughs> at that age. Especially at that age. But this kind of, did he get nominated for this? He Damn. got nominated, yes, and... Uh, no, he shouldn't have. Yeah, wow. he, he actually, there was talk that he might have won had he not made such an effort between the time of making the movie and it being released of distancing himself from it because he didn't, didn't care for it. Right. So he kind of screwed himself out of an Oscar, which is kind of funny. Huh. 
Was it ninety seven? Who did he lose to? Denzel. I didn't look. I have to look that up. Um, but yeah, he. My issue with it was Mark Wahlberg. I I felt that was a bad cast because he was not up to par. Like he's in a movie with William H Macy, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh. Who's who's the other big actor in this movie? Uh, Julianne Moore, um, Don Cheadle. Don't forget Kansas City's favorite son, John, Don right. Cheadle. And who's the uh, what's uh, Riley, uh, the brother from John, John C. Riley, Louise Guzman. Oh my God, John yeah. C. Riley in this movie. I mean, John C. Riley is this movie, and I kind of yes. forgot how much mm-hmm. a part of this, like. Yeah, and the he was charm kind of nobody of this when movie. this came out. Yeah, I didn't realize he had. I didn't realize John C. Riley had been around this long. Yeah, well, this this is the kind of movie that kind of pushed him from character actor to not leading man, but like build above yeah. the the title. Because I'm, I mean, dude, what I know of John C. Riley is like from Talladega Nights, right? You know, he's like well, a funny. You don't guy. get a Talladega Nights if you don't have. Boogie Nights. Boogie so, Nights. True. I mean, if no other reason, George, to sign up for this movie, it's that it, it paved the way for Talladega Nights. Oh, by the way, I don't hate the movie. Like, I, it the, has this, the soundtrack was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot of money. So <laughs> good. Such a good track. Um, all the tracks were good. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and all the actors, I mean, yeah, the cast was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, Minus Wahlberg, without a doubt. I mean, uh, he was okay. Wahlberg was really young too. Yeah, but like, didn't. And also, I've heard Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. I know he's (laughs) not that bad of a singer. So yeah, no, that's acting, man. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I was like, I I don't know. I don't know if I could sing that bad if I tried. And you're not hung like that either. But then well, again, neither I definitely so, would not. I definitely would not be casted for this movie. So, no, guys, uh, a couple of things. You mentioned Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Uh, yeah. It's good that you're already familiar with that because if you weren't, I mean, honestly, it's kind of not good that you're already because that would have been a good moment to introduce you uh, to another great '80s '90s music video. Yes. Mm. The thing is, we keep talking about directors who started off in music videos, moved their way into mainstream film in the 90s. This one's a little different. Uh, This guy starts out, basically this is his second big movie, and it's essentially a remake of his first big short that he made in like high school. So this is a story he's Hmm. been waiting to tell for a while. He finally gets it. It's his second big movie. And then after this movie... He starts making music videos for a little while while he's on his way up to doing like Oscar tier. And still, I mean, his la- latest movie is probably going to at least be nominated next year. So he's still like a top tier director, but he took a little diversion uh, to make music videos because I guess that's just the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that opening crane shot, man. Like, you want to talk about oh, a yeah. movie that just immerses you in a time. It reminded me of the what Landis does in the thriller video. Yeah. That that opening after the werewolf uh preamble, I guess, or pre prologue. Uh and then they cut to the theater, the movie theater. They do that same crane shot. As soon as I saw it, I was like, Oh wow, that's yeah. that's total Carpenter Landis. Homage, but the way that they they managed to introduce you know the entire principal cast in one shot in the first two minutes of the movie while you're rocking to the '70s song, just feeling you know the cars and the fashion and the lighting and the everything. Oh man, I mean that's how you introduce a, a world, right? Mm-hmm. Throw somebody into it. Yeah, it had that stu- Studio Fifty Four kind of feel. That uh, early was it early '80s, late '70s Playboy Mansion kind of feel. Yeah, I mean it was solid. I I texted Dan. And I was like, eh, I'm not really sure because after a while, I hadn't seen it since high school or like when I was working. So '97. So after college, uh, I haven't seen it since then. So it seemed kind of dated mm-hmm. to me. You mean a not a, a movie made to look like the '70s <clears throat> and, and '80s look dated? No, I don't mean dated like <laughs> visually. I just mean like uh, has been done many times after that. To where it's almost not fresh. What like are you when talking this about? Movie came Name out, two movies that have done this since. Well, it has a lot of like a Jackie Brown feel to it. Um, 
Jackie Brown like took place in the present day, though, and came out like the same year. Yeah, but I mean that that retro vintage feel, purposely done, uh, the in your face kind of, uh, not, not holding back on the uh, gratuity of of the events and or the <laughs> gratuity is <laughs> it's a it's a it's something that you give someone extra for doing a good job. Gratuitousness, gratuitousness. Um, I was listening to no, uh, one of our episodes and we kept saying gratuity, and I'm like, that is <laughs> not wrong. the right fucking word. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think it is probably the right word. It's just that it's a gratuity gratuitous, payment. Gratuitousness. It's, it's an additional gratuity, payment yeah. in addition to the actual services rendered. So I think it's. I think you guys were fine using it in that way, but okay. Right. I'm like, hey, this doesn't sound like the right word. It was like the uh, the Princess Bride. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Right. <laughs> I mean, it has that big Lebowski feel as well. Like the feel of this movie has been done multiple times. Just it sounds like George got a tragedy he didn't love and you got nostalgia you didn't love uh, what the hell else do you guys want now george you're watching a movie that we gave you no context for and sometimes that mm-hmm. works in our favor and sometimes maybe it doesn't work in our favor so let me just uh, throw a couple of things at you are you aware that this movie is uh, a biopic a biopic however you want to pronounce it a movie based on someone's real life loosely uh, i was I was not aware of that, although I am aware that someone probably lived a life life like this at some point. Is it about Mr. Holmes? It is about Mr. Holmes. I mean, uh, unofficially, right? Because it's not a right. not a biography. But the original short was released the same year that John Holmes died of AIDS in the eighties. Um, he died in eighty eight, and the short came out in eighty eight. So imagine, like, you know, a high school student you know, uh, director is like, Hey, this guy's all over the news. I was crashing and burning in this horrifying, you know, uh, horrifying exit, dramatic exit Mm -hmm. from this world. And so Mm -hmm. he creates the Dirk Diggler character for that movie and just tells like a, a shorter version of this, this story. So it's based on a real guy. Uh, he did a ton of movies. Actually, in, people will tell you that the Burt Reynolds character is based on Gerard Damiano now. More loosely, I would say, than even the Dirk Diggler character being based on uh, John Holmes. Now, uh, Holmes uh, resembled, in certain ways, uh, the character that Mark Wahlberg plays in this movie. Um he actually, in the face, looked a lot more like Thomas Jane in this movie, the friend with the mustache yeah. that gets shot in the shoulder. So <laughs> okay. that's kind of a weird thing, if you have any like knowledge of the golden age adult erotic movies. You know, Future you see Punisher. Thomas Jane show up, the Punisher, also from the show Hung, right? Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, he walks in, and he's got the stash and the hair, and you're just like, oh, no, that's, that's John Holmes. Like, I don't know who Mark Wahlberg is supposed to be. So... It's a weird it's a weird way to do it to, you know, do a biopic of a guy but then like maybe it's not actually the guy you thought it was, maybe it's this other guy. It would be like if in Inside Lewin Davis, all of a sudden John Goodman showed up with a full beard and dressed like Dave Van Ronk, and you'd just be like, "Wait, hold on. I thought this movie was based on but now he's hmm. It's kind of a mess." We all in know that it regard. was not the Hedgehog, so <laughs> Well, it, it wasn't uh what's his name? What the hell's his name? The Hedgehog. Ron, Ron, per- Ron Perlman. <laughs> Ron Jeremy. Ron not Jeremy. Ron Perlman. God, it's not Ron Perlman. I don't know who Ron Perlman is. <laughs> he played Hellboy. Uh, you looks... don't want to see him in a porno. <laughs> you don't yeah. want to see him in anything. I think I saw his truck the other day. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who, Hellboy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, Ron Perlman. Oh. Was he yeah. the guy with the diesel? <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Never mind. Uh, callbacks to something we didn't talk we about. We didn't record that. <laughs> Although I do kind of wonder, uh, as far as like, you know, if you're trying to draw parallels, the guy that shows up and kind of replaces uh, Dirk Diggler, I almost called him John Holmes, uh, the mm. guy that replaces Diggler with like the skinny guy with the, the big hair, I right. could almost see him being, you know, an analog for of Ron Jeremy uh, with the timing of everything that's going on in that. Plus Ron Jeremy supposedly was... Uh, a technical advisor on the movie helped okay. the the director kind of get get his bearings to make it feel more realistic to the time period. So, hmm. 
and what it would what it's like on the set right of one of those movies because you need that now the uh, wife of william h macy george do you know who william h macy is <laughs> I mean, that's my wife. When you say the wife of William H Macy, I can kind of, I, I'm picturing the character's uh, face in my head. Okay. Uh, yes. He's well, a famous actor. He's been in a bunch. Yes, of Yes, I've seen Fargo. Yes, yeah. yes. So he's Bill in this movie. His wife's mm-hmm. played by Nina Hartley, who is mm-hmm. a very famous adult star from uh, the era after this movie, which is kind of you okay. know, as the things kind of line up, they you know they get younger people than would have been in this particular era, but she's very prolific in, in the industry. And actually the judge who plays, uh, you know, over Julianne Moore's kind of custody stuff toward the end of the movie. She's also an adult star from, from this era actually. So it's an interesting thing to like sprinkle these people in and, and give them a chance at a, you know, legit mainstream movie while also honoring kind of the people that they're dishonoring by showing them, uh, at their lowest at times in these movies, although most everybody gets some redemption in the yeah. plot, at least. Except for the ones that all die. A lot of them. Die. Yeah, a lot yeah, of some of. Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty much fifty-fifty, I think. But uh, mm. the the idea that like the Dirk Diggler character has like a series of movies where he's this repeating James Bondian, you know, born identity type action star, Starskin Hutch. <laughs> Uh, John Holmes had a character, Johnny Wad, who appeared in a bunch of movies from the 70s to the early 80s. So, I mean, that that's where you start to go, oh, okay, I see where they're starting to draw from his, uh, his repertoire. Actually, the guy that directed Road Games, you guys' favorite movie of last mm. year, um, he directed a movie right before that called Phantasm, which is like a softcore kind of sex romp in Australia. And John Holmes makes a very, you know, uh, starring role in a couple of scenes. So huh. there's some weird overlap between where we've been and where we're going. Okay. So, I mean, mainstream kind of stuff as far as this stuff goes, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard to quantify in a world that we live in now where adult inter- entertainment is even more... I don't want to, it sounds weird to say it's more stigmatized today than it was then, because of course it's always been stigmatized, but the impression of what adult entertainment is today is so much more disposable than it was in the seventies. A lot of it having to do with kind of the arc of this movie, right? Where they get to video. Did you follow the technical stuff at all? Or did you just glaze over when they started talking about he stopped uh, watching a little, the, uh, no, I, the wash rag with the, the circuits were on. Yeah, the circuit board wash rag. So the circuit board wash rag you know, face. At the beginning of this movie, these guys are real movie producers producing actual movies with crews and film. No, yeah, that, that didn't go over my head at all. I was listening. And by yeah. the end of the movie, it's just like, oh, hey, we've got a handy cam in the back of a car and we're just making whatever yeah, we it's can like, make. It's reality TV now. Yeah, it just becomes more dis- just disposable and, and less artistic and just more yeah. it's like a there's a glut during this era of you know video porn and so the funny thing is you know you've got the vcr versus beta uh battle of the 80s that ends up because porn is more accessible on vhs that's like the thing that pushes the needle and defeats beta <laughs> you mm. know the market demand of all this just like kind of crappy made for video record never going to look better than the video that you buy because it's recorded on one inch videotape right it's not a movie anymore it's just no it's it's more akin to what you'd see online today in these you know uh very accessible but very little artistic merit uh websites that just cater to i mean you know personal consumption and the privacy of your home yeah, I think that's probably the best way I can say it and keep us monetized. But, you know, it wasn't that way with the the movies of the 70s because you actually had to go to a theater. Whether or not you followed the local ordinances was, you know, uh, from what I understand, uh, flexible, depending on where you, <laughs> <It's like laughs> where you were. <laughs> um, 
yeah, not everybody enjoyed uh, the best treatment. <laughs> Uh, right. but you know it's just it's an interesting thing to think that like for a time movies were being made with you know ambitious actors ambitious directors and sure the product isn't exactly oscar winning most of the time a lot of the acting that they show like the actual uh dialogue scenes kind of awkwardly delivered between the characters were actually taken from other films so that they could say like no this is realistic like this is actually how the acting was in some of these movies so yeah, some mm-hmm. of the movies are still garbage, but they're trying, you know? And by the mid-80s, nobody's trying anymore. And now that the VHS era through the DVD and now the streaming and on-demand era has hit, you can just track the quality in the artistic output dropping while the frequency and availability skyrocket. So... In 97, they didn't know where we would be by now. Uh, It's gotten way worse. But what they track in this movie is, you know, an interesting dissection of the the progress of art into... Did you hear that? Commercial... Consumption. What was that background noise? That was our theme <laughs> my, song. My phone, I was <laughs> looking in my like my podcast folder, and like I hit our podcast for by for for a second by accident, and it was like banana banana I was like, oh shit, that's us. That's that. my song. That's your song. That's yeah. You wrote that song. So, uh, the Wonderland Murders. Have you ever heard of the Wonderland Murders? I mean, heard of. They're not that famous anymore because they never did. I'm not series really of sure. they're they're not quite the Manson murders in terms of public notoriety, but yeah, they had a lot of notoriety at the time in media in L.A. because you had multiple people murdered, and one lady who barely survives this egregiously awful head wound, and John Holmes, famous adult film star, gets put on trial and charged with the murders. Uh, so it didn't necessarily go down in real life like it did in this movie, but. That whole scene is based on, loosely, events that happened in real life and affected you know, everyone involved, including John Holmes, who was acquitted. Mm-hmm. No one could ever prove that he did or didn't do anything, and he never admitted anything, and then he died. So whether he was involved at all, who knows? But you know, the drama of this movie is not exactly pulled from fiction, right? Like A lot of this is right. just adapted from things that actually happen within the world of the L.A. adult film scene, uh, including... Right. I was reading even the suicide of Bill, not exactly how it went down in real life, but there was, uh, in the early 90s, an adult star whose wife, also an adult star, was cheating on him with another adult star, and he chose to blow his own brains out in her front yard. Mm. So, kind of ripped from the headlines and then adapted into... It's like uh, they took notes, and they were like, all right, Kind of like when you do a project with your kid and you do like all these outlines and then you put it together into a story. That's what they did. They just took all this shit that happened and they put it into a movie. Which, I mean, that's kind of how you make movies. But yeah. But uh, I mean, like, they, maybe not everything was related to the other thing, but they just took situations and made them related. Yeah, they put them in the same universe. Right, like some of these people might not have ever crossed paths, but they took maybe the situation that happened to this porn star that had nothing to do with John Holmes, and then they just put it in the story because it was interesting. Yeah, but they made cool him situation. his like his producer, and then, then right, and then they made him kill himself. Right. So it wasn't like I guess it would be would would you say earlier loosely based? Yeah, um, yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it. It does have the Bill, the Bill story is sad, right? But it's played for laughs for the most part. Um, but the, the part where he's a, okay, a little cinematography nerd moment here, but the, she's hooking up with a guy at a party. The wife is hooking up with some random guy at a party. There's like a semicircle of dudes watching. Yeah. She's in the driveway, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then Bill walks up the hill. He's talking to Kurt, the other producer guy. And they frame it as a two shot. So you've got both guys in frame, but then in the middle, slightly out of focus, she's continuing to (laughs) hang out carnally with this dude in the driveway while there's a semicircle of dudes around. And the conversation they have, I wish I had the script in front of me and I don't know if it's ever leaked because I can't tell if Macy 
flubs his line and they just liked the take so much they kept it, or if they really did have the foresight to really just screw this line up in the script so that he would show how like discombobulated he was. But did you catch the line, George? I don't think so. He says, my effing wife has an ass in her cock in the ass driveway. In her cock. He says it backwards. Oh, yeah. I and they go too. with it. Yeah. yeah. And it's so I... good. But yeah, at the same I... time, like, I want to know, is that in the script or is that just some moment of like, you know, the acting was there, so we just kept it and it makes sense enough in the context of the scene. I need to know. Yeah. Yeah, I did notice that when it happened, but I wasn't sure that I heard what I thought I heard, so I just like continued watching it. <laughs> but I did know I did notice. You see, was it, what's the line from Red Dragon? It wasn't Red Dragon. Uh, uh Manhunter. You they look, but you do not you look, see, or something you like you that. Look, you do I know. See. Yeah, that was that Red, is Red Dragon, Dragon, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You look, but you do not see. Yeah. And how did Hannibal know? About the videotapes, I don't know. Uh, maybe he, uh, I don't know. I, I'm no, because he's such a good <laughs> psychiatrist that he can just break people down. Because he had an ass in his dick. He had an ass in his dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, now, George, there's a character in this movie who is uh, he's like the key grip or something, right? He he works the uh, the boom mic. Uh, his name is Scotty. He's played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Do you recognize mm-hmm. that actor? He has. Long hair in this movie. He had short hair in the last movie that you saw yeah. him in. Yeah, I recognize him. Okay. He's the extreme, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you see now when we talked about Red Dragon, Travis mm-hmm. is like, man, Philip Seymour Hoffman starts off playing kind of goofy guys and then transforms into this more serious, you know, fantastic actor. At the end of his career, he is just knocking every role out of the park. Yeah, but all, all cylinders. He starts out in a lot of roles like this where he is just never got two feet under him, right? Like always yeah. in motion. <laughs> you have to see Along Came Polly. <laughs> have you ever seen that? No. Uh, ben Stiller. He plays like a 40-year-old community theater guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who thinks he's like, <laughs> Oli- he thinks he's Olivier. Like he thinks he's like Shakespeare yeah. reincarnated, huh. but he's doing like a... Podcast? Was that a hunk as I think I am? <laughs> no, I don't. But he's like going to be in this production of yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar, and he's like a diva. He and just it's like there's a bunch of high school kids. Yeah, like, he, it's the funniest thing. Yeah, he's a diva, but he like lacks awareness. Yes, and he's yeah. like, you know, he won't he won't come out of his dressing room. Like it's just obnoxious. <laughs> it's perfect. It's like because you, I have met people like that where it's like, yeah, me too. That's their life. Community theater. Shut up. Community theater. <laughs> I am not a diva. Where are my green M&Ms? Oh, my God. God damn it, Shirley. Why do you always have to be such an asshole? I beg your pardon. I'm not an asshole. I'm an actor. Same thing. It reminds me... Uh, dude, I don't... Everything... Every I see my whole entire life through the lens of the show community. I'm sorry. You guys uh, should you watch do. it. Everyone should watch it. But... Um, in the show community, Luis Guzman is the most famous graduate of this community college. Okay. Okay. And there's an episode where they're trying to redo their commercial because they've had the same commercial for like 15 mm-hmm. years and they have like a budget of like, I don't know, $2,000 or something. But Luis Guzman hears about it and he wants to be in it to help promote his college that he graduated from. Right. And the dean of the school is the director and he goes completely over the top Mm -hmm. like he becomes a director but there is a point where like chevy chase is like you know well if if i can't have this i'm is like i'm not leaving my trailer he's like you don't have a trailer he's like then i'll then i'll rent a trailer and i won't leave it until i get the trailer (laughs) that i don't have (laughs) but anyways guys community it's a great episode by the way and luis guzman is amazing in this movie too Right, uh, and when I saw his face, I was like, "Ah, oh, it's Luis Guzman." Yeah, he graduated Boom. from Greendale. There you go. Nice. And you know, we haven't even talked about Roller Girl, Heather Graham, mm. and I think mm. her first big movie. This is when she broke onto the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's amazing in this movie. She does not get the sequel to Austin Powers without this movie. Yeah, but I mean, her range the the scene where her and Julianne Moore are doing coke together, and like 
creating a new familial bond and also tripping balls or whatever the term is when you're on cocaine. Uh, I mean, mm. the actresses disappear and the two characters are just center stage. It's really good. I mean, this movie, it's kind of goofy, but the acting, I think now granted, I, I've not been as that many plays, but I, I recognize this as I started smirking before you even said it. Superb <laughs> acting. Cause I knew where you were going. The, the acting in this movie is very good. Minus Wahlberg. I think he was kind of out of his element. You but know, other than that, I would argue that this, it he, worked. If, if the order from the director was, hey, uh, you need to be right on the border of like, you know, breaking what will eventually become the uh, Tropic Thunder rule. You had to toe that line right on the edge of mm-hmm. the Tropic Thunder rule. Uh, I mean, him and with the help of John C. Riley's poetry, the two of them, I mean... I if that's what they're going for, they nail it. Yeah, I I just think he lacked the experience and range to hit some of the more emotional things. The the Tropic Thunder rule. Yeah. Are you talking about what I think you're talking you about? Never go full all the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And no, they go I close. You know, for they him, close. my issue was yeah. like when he's yelling with at his mother, when she goes in and starts ripping his posters off the wall and whatever. Mm-hmm. He he's trying. Th- He's trying, and it's coming through, but it's not, he's not believing what he's doing, so you can tell he's just being, he's doing it. He's not really feeling, like, he's not having those emotions. He's playing those emotions, and that, sh- that showed in a, in a movie full of people that know how to be the emotion and not play it. Like, it sticks out when he's the only one doing it. That's I thought he did like, great. Yeah. But he did he did do very, very good, but there were certain parts where he had like that emotional like when he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the best thing like when he's yelling at her, I'm, you don't you don't know what I'm gonna become. Like he's yelling, but it was almost do you like see? He, was, <laughs> he was not I didn't be, <laughs> the rule is if you don't believe what you're saying, the people aren't gonna believe what you're saying. So if you're playing it and you're just acting it, then it's gonna show. If you believe what you're saying, even if you're a three-eyed alien on the planet, fuck not. If you believe that you're a three-eyed <laughs> alien on the planet, fuck not. That that's the fake planet it. name you chose? Yes. Okay. So it's like, <laughs> but if you're sitting there going, man, I feel weird. I can't believe I got a third eye on this I know, makeup I, Dude, I, un- I understand, and I feel, now that you say it, I think you're probably right, because knowing Mark Wahlberg, because he's like a good friend of mine. Um, oh, you go way yeah, back. Yeah, we, we go way back. Uh, knowing Mark Wahlberg, he probably would have wanted to play that like, you know, screw you, bitch, and left without getting all emotional and like, you know, it. it right, it's hard it, for him to push that street. R- right, that street. That, uh, but that's Mark. Cred. That's Mark Wahlberg. Like that's his personality, right. and that's how I feel like he would. I don't want to speak for him, but I feel like that would have been more his wheelhouse. If you see him in the movie Fear, he's in a movie called Fear where he. Uh, plays like a high school badass that kind of infiltrates his family. It actually has the guy from Manhunter, Graham. Uh, I don't know his William Peterson. Name was. William Graham. Yeah, William Peterson, who plays Graham. Isn't his name Graham in yep. Manhunter? So he is the father of Reese Witherspoon and Wahlberg. Plays oh, like that's the, the movie with the roller coaster. Uh, is there a roller? Yeah. It's the only thing I've yes, heard about from yes. that movie is the roller coaster scene. Yes, so he plays the the like the kid that you don't want your daughter to date and he kind of infiltrates the family and you know he's just a piece of shit and he plays a really good piece of shit yeah um but he doesn't have to go to the emotional level he can it's easier to scream and yell and be angry than it is to actually hit that emotional level it's like it's like He's from Boston, dude. It's right. like it's trying to. They're not allowed to have emotions. Yeah, it's like yeah, you know, it's it's like putting Bill Burr on the screen and be like, right. just just act like you're you know that you're really emotional be about sad. it. It's it's like, it's it's like, it's be sad. There's no sad. There's yeah. no sad. There's, There's only no sad. angry. There's only you. You right. know that's all there is. He has grown on me over the years, but I think in this movie it was like his first attempt at like real acting, like playing certain emotions to where yeah. it was like. Over the years, like his comedy has gotten a lot better, his his emotions have gotten a lot better. But this sure. movie's like his first big break and, movie. And you know what? It wasn't terrible. No, it was not. But like, 
No. I I I hear you, Trav. I I I feel that. I agree with you. I just think when you're on, when you're in a movie with all these heavyweights, you're gonna stick out a little bit because these guys have been doing. Well, it for I mean, a while. they kind of helped him with that. <laughs> right, it did stick out. Well, a yeah, lot. he was trying to. <laughs> what his goal was i think no anyway uh, this cast is fantastic <laughs> there's a lot of great people in it i hope we've name checked all the important people but i haven't been keeping very good a track but my favorite person in this whole movie i think is the bank loan officer did you catch who that was no but i thought i recognized them well his name is don amandolia and you're not going to know him by name but no he did appear as the very Corporate approved announcer for Wayne's World when Ow. they do the new and improved Wayne's World, you know, party on Wayne, yeah, with his <laughs> party on guard with his Doritos, yeah, yeah. that's him, that's that's yeah. who he is. So, as soon as his face popped up, I was like, oh my god, it's him, that's good. It's so, party on Wayne, party on Wayne, yeah, I like Don Cheadle in this too. Oh my god, the yeah, the robbery scene, the black cowboy. Oh god, <laughs> his stereo dance into country music is so good. Oh my god, that's another that's a a name that I recognize, but I didn't like connect the face oh, with the name. Awesome. Yeah, I've seen him in a lot of things. Yeah, he's been yeah. around a while. But is, is, is he in Ocean's his, Eleven? I think he's in Ocean's Eleven as one well. One of his earlier roles, right? Like, and doesn't he usually play like a goofy kind of? No, he plays all kinds. No, of No, he he's, plays serious roles. He's a good he was actor. Sammy Davis Jr. He's a great actor. He did. Didn't he do Hotel Rwanda? I mean, yeah. So maybe I mean, just the only shit I've seen is. But he was in Iron. He, he plays War Machine in Iron Man, so people kind of like today know him from that. But oh, that's right, I movies forever. That. Yeah, but yeah, he's a Kansas City guy. We we happily claim him as one of our uh, better actors. His character was great in this. Yeah, the robbery scene to come at the end of. I mean, the whole scene between Roller Girl meeting the high school bully guy. In the back of the car, while Mark Wahlberg is falling back into his own, you know, his old ways and getting desperate and then getting beat up. You've got the score that's just like background noise and a bell tolling at a regular mm. interval. Like, that whole scene is so, ugh, so dire, but so good. And might then, have been my favorite scene. I knew you would love that. Uh, yeah. And then to follow it with that horrifying robbery scene and that little bit of like, Fuck the man! I'm taking this money. That's a good scene, man. That mm-hmm. whole—that's a good. I mean, in the middle of a very good movie, that is a standout series of events. Kind of a hint at what's to come with Paul T. Anderson and his ability to kind of grab the drama. Yeah, there's a little bit of Tarantino in this movie. Well, it's Style the era, was. man. By '97, yeah. everybody wants to be Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of Goodfellas, too. like the the music makes me feel like like that's uh, Scorsese uses music as a character in all his movies. Like it's just kind of they blend, they almost become like bumpers to a scene. With this, it was like every song was like, oh, I love that song. Well, oh, and the like song. the pool party is essentially just a music video, the way it's yeah. shot. And when the music gets away from the singing parts, is when the dialogue comes up, and then you know. Very, very, very. Uh, I really like Paul Thomas Anderson. This guy makes a hell of a movie, and to think that this is his, literally his second feature. What was the first movie you made? Uh, let me. It's like High Stakes or something like that. I'll look. Mm. It's one I'd not heard of. Uh, I'm sure it's great though, because this guy knows how to make good movies. Have you seen Licorice Pizza yet? I haven't seen it, but I want to. No. Licorice pizza? Yeah, it just came out this year. It's supposedly really, really good. Hard Eight is what it's called. Came out the year before. Yeah. Uh oh, John C. Riley again. Oh, hmm. Sam Jackson. <laughs> uh Who the hell is this like, asshole? Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Chip, we're watching this next week, boys. <laughs> Going in blind. It's the same cast. Same guys. Oh, okay. Last person I haven't talked about from the cast that just blows me away. There's a Doctor Octopus sighting in this movie. Melina? Yeah. I didn't see him. I didn't catch him. Oh. Oh, you saw him. But did you see? <laughs> no, I did not see. <laughs> the guy who they rob. The tripped out, spending five grand on whatever bag of fake stuff they bring in with the armed guard and the guy lighting off firecrackers. 
that like hippie guy is played by Molina. Nice. Nearly unrecognizable. Uh, his behavior is unrecognizable. I mean, he's in this character all the way. But uh, man, he's, he's feeling good and ready to party until all the people get shot. That, uh, that scene that you're talking about, that was my college experience. You were part of the Wonderland murders in college? Kind of. Cool. No, but like the way that they were hanging out is the reason why I don't remember any of the movies that I've seen. <laughs> is it the firecrackers interrupting the audio? Yeah, no, yeah. There was like one dude that was just off to the side and then there was like my buddy Zach who was the, the you know, like the main, he was the guy doing the air drums to the, you know, like making everyone pay attention to the song that was on. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and like just getting really into it. And, um, and yeah, and I, I kind of feel like I was sitting there like, uh, I don't know, probably... Probably John C. Riley's character. Um, so he directed Magnolia as well. Yep. I just looked it up. And it has Alpha Merlina, uh, Julianne Moore, John C. Riley, <laughs> <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tom Cruise. Like, he's. <laughs> yeah, work, especially supporting actors. He, work with the guys that shit. you know you like to work with. Yeah. You know what I just realized? What I know uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman from? Twister. Char- Charlie Wilson's War. Oh yeah. Okay. And I it's kind of like it was difficult for me to like connect it because they're so so different. Mm-hmm. The characters that he plays are so so different. But he was pretty badass in Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah, the end there of his career, man, the last 10 years or so of his life, he was just just gravitas role after gravitas role after doing 10 years or 15 years before of just goofballs. Yeah. But they finally like gave him a chance. And the thing is, you know, Hollywood being as it is, you know, he doesn't have a conventional leading man look, right? So it's tough for a guy that like is that guy to get a chance to be anything but the goofy sidekick. I mean, you've seen it recently with like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, um, Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen both, you know, they come into Hollywood as, hey, we're the heavy, funny guy. And then, after they've paid their dues and work out a lot, uh, they get to do Green Hornet, which, you know. But see, my issue with that is, is like, don't be mad. This is how you made it. This is how you broke in. Um, yeah, you can change your look. But if someone wants to bring you in to be the, the, the funny sidekick, that's your shtick. That's your thing. Don't be mad that you're not getting, you know, Capote <laughs> off the bat. You know, you have to make sure that you're you're there for a reason. They hired you into the fold for a certain reason. And to me, uh, Jonah Hill and Rogan and like all those guys, that's that's what they were. Just like uh, what's his name, Chris Pratt. You know, he was always like the the funny sidekick, low overweight. But then they turned him into a superhero. Dude, they gave him a dude, regiment. And that he, dude is so funny. But he he turned himself into whatever. Yeah. Uh, not because uh, he felt like he wasn't getting the roles. He just trans- transformed himself for a role, and then that put him in a whole different bracket. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of, I kind of, I don't know. I I can see why you wouldn't want to get typecasted, right? But then I also think of some of the some of the guys that like, you know, if they didn't take the role because it was like the secondary role, how what a disservice that would have been, you know? But a lot of career, like uh, Vince Vaughn was the, the you know, the mouthy friend that yeah. if he did that enough times, then he became the leading man. Same thing with, uh, uh, who's the, who's the I'm, guy? Dude, I'm just up? thinking about like the, like the, you know, the actual secondary role. Like, think right. about it, dude. Uh, like, you know, ben the, you know, the office, like, yeah. uh, you know, the guy who plays uh, Jim. Is it Krasinski? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he originally was trying out for Michael Scott or you know like the the branch manager, right? Whatever, and he kind of like didn't want anything but that. And they were like, "We want you, but we want you for this character." And he was like, "No, nah, no." Nah, nah. But he made it. And himself. then he decided to say, "Okay, yeah, I'll do it." And like, dude, Jim Halpert is like, who yeah. doesn't know who that is? And he's married well, to Emily Blunt. To dude, be fair, though. <laughs> like, I mean, you're talking he about a guy. So good. You're talking about a guy who went for the main like 
I don't know, face role of the show, didn't get it, and ended up being the heart of the entire show with the arc of the show written around him. So it's not like he, you know, he's not the guy that drops the chili that, you know. Right. Right? Like, that's the difference, I think, is, you yeah. know, chili guy isn't ever in the, and you know, he might get Michael know, Scott, he might be a great Michael Scott, but they're never going to base the heart and soul of the show around him. He's going to be the guy that drops the chili. Right. Right. But I think in in that case, um, Dan, I think that the show went on for so long and when you're when you're writing a show, you have time to develop characters like that and for a secondary character to become well, the, it, the main character. In movies you don't have that, right. that opportunity. But the but the that TV show was on for so long that mm-hmm. the characters kind of It's the Homer Simpson uh effect. Like that, that show the the Simpsons was written around Bart Simpson. But then, like around season oh, yeah, four yeah, or five, yeah. exactly, everybody yeah. found Homer way more funny and way mm-hmm. more in- interesting. So they're like, "Okay, we're going to start doing the show around him." Yeah, if you watch the, the if you show. watch the Office, the Michael Scott character was a jerk in the right. first season, or like halfway through the well, first season, he's based on the original show, right? Right, and and that changed like within you know six episodes, he turned into like this lovable because like, Steve Carell. You can't hate him. It's very easy to hate Gervais because he wants <laughs> yeah. to be hated. He's yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to say what I need to say so people hate me. Uh, Carell, he based was... on his movie choices too, like he yeah. just became such a sweet guy. Like everybody, it, it, it's hard to hate him, even though the first couple episodes are cringe. Like when he says things, you're just oh, oh but, my God. But they're so good though. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Gerv- it, was, uh, it, it was so cringy because it's based on the Gervais character. Right. And... And that character, Gervais, in the the British office was just, like, from start to finish, was that way. Yes. Was a jerk. And totally unaware. Because of the accent. (laughs) No, it it didn't work. I mean, it it, it worked because I think that the the audience that was watching that show um, appreciates that kind of dark humor. Because, you know. No, it doesn't work here. It doesn't work here. No. But um, we'll have Richard on to talk about why it works over there because it's just that they're, uh, Mike Myers cashed in on that, like that whole BBC, you know, when he was in Canada, that whole British humor kind of filtered over, and that's how he developed it from the Canadian aspect, and then brought it to America because he kind of softened it. Ryan Reynolds is the same thing. Jim Carrey was able to do it. It's just like Canadian comedians are able to take that brand of humor and bring it here and we are like oh that's hilarious but when Gervais does it it's offensive <laughs> I mean some people love Gervais don't right. I mean uh, he has I, his moments I, I should tell you my favorite <laughs> let's just say I do let's speak I for myself I'll tell you my favorite Jim Carrey stand up joke but I'll do it off air okay it's a good one uh, but but Hoffman like when he was in Twister that was what everybody knew him from like he stole that movie between him and Alan Ruck, who who's from uh, Ferris Bueller's, he plays uh, Cameron. Like those bit characters, they were able to take what little gems they had in the script and turn their characters into like huge events. To where you you would watch the sequel of Twister only if Philip Seymour Hoffman was right. the main character. That's how good they were. So I knew he was going to be something. Like when he was in Patch Adams too, he played like just a very straightforward, regular, not even goofy at all. Like he just played a straightforward character and you just could tell that once he got those roles he was going to take it it's a shame he died he has a, he has a line in uh in what you call it uh charlie wilson's war when he's when he says uh he says something like oh i i got my best guys on it he's like your best guy yeah your best guys and he's like what's well, it's me and another guy like it's <laughs> 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 a great line that's <laughs> me and one other guy it's yeah, <laughs> it was weird to see him up against Robin Williams because mm. cause Robin Williams was off the chain in that movie, and to see yeah. knowing that now I know that Hoffman is capable of playing right along with him, mm. but he doesn't. He plays it straight, which is which is even better. It's just like wow, you get to see his range because like you know he can be goofy, you know he can do all those things, but he's not. That's a good movie too. If you ever see that, which one's that? Patch Adams. Patch Adams. A lot of movies to see. Oh man, I mean, an endless amount of movies. You're way behind. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> Having taken the first 33 years of your life off from watching movies, you've really put yourself in a bind. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, which of the John Holmes features are we watching next week, guys? Are we going Hard Soap? <laughs> Dracula Sucks? Um, there's a couple other. If you hot can name and saucy, three John Holmes movies. Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls? Wait, Maybe. you're worried about your search engine? <laughs> you're looking up John Holmes movies. Oh, he's, he's private browsing right now. Right, he's just looking on his shelf. <laughs> <sighs> you guys are so repressed. Oh, I think maybe we should watch The Rock. Isn't that, isn't that one of his movies? I would be down to watch The Rock. I love The Rock. But you know I love Ed Harris, so... Yeah, but he doesn't dance in this. Oh, and he doesn't ride a motorcycle while dressed like a knight. Can we can we watch Knight Riders instead? Mm, no. What if but I told has... you that Knight Riders is a, an actually good movie? I wouldn't believe you because you made us watch Manhunter. <laughs> Dude, the internet uh, so far, you two are the only people on the internet that don't like Manhunter. It's sad. You know what's funny? I listened to that episode today, and I realized why Dan and I were going back and forth <laughs> and, I know. And, I was, I, you know, what I was doing, sitting here thinking. I was like, I, I felt like the little kid when like the mom and dad are fighting. <laughs> are <laughs> like, guys, just stop, just stop arguing, please. But I realized, I'm like, if I had only said this, it might have avoided all. Because I realized I never actually said my point was I, that he. The only reason I felt like Lecter was important in that movie, mm-hmm. minus Hopkins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Was they made you think he was important because that's who he was going to see. So they kind of they made you think he was something special right. because he had chosen to go see him, mm-hmm. and then he had expressed that I need to go get the taste again of mm-hmm. this this taste that I used to have that I no get longer back have. on the scent get back on the scent. So I'm thinking, okay, that's two references to he needs this guy, so he must be important. So then that's why, even minus the Hopkins shit, I was, that's what I was thinking the whole time when I was watching the movie, and then I was not conveying It was that. really underwhelming for... What the, they were building this, up. Yeah, the scent. Right, so then I was sitting there going, up. as I'm listening to, to the episode today, I'm like, holy shit, I was thinking that the whole time, and I never said it once when we were arguing <laughs> back and forth. That it—that's why it had nothing to do with the comparison. How long did you guys actors? argue for that uh, about like that for a half like, hour? Yeah, it was still a long time. Right? I think the now original. Sure we're, yeah, <laughs> we're I think asking I cut a lot. Like Thirty-five minutes out of that episode, dude. We're yeah. asking a lot of our listeners, man. <laughs> you guys go back and but forth. It, it, it was like, aggravating me because I was like, "Why aren't you saying this?" All right, we're this gonna, is what you were thinking. I have a why hand. Aren't you saying? I have a hand signal. Uh oh. Or maybe we need a safe word. Safe word. You know, so like when you about, guys are uh, like going around in circles, I could just be like, hey guys, you're going around in circles. Again. Johnny Wad. Can we like move on? Johnny Wad. <laughs> Say Johnny Community Wad. Theater Diva. <laughs> okay, Community Theater Diva. No. What should we call Dan? Uh, I don't know. Or my maybe, wife and or I. Or maybe have, I'll just say, stop yelling at me. My wife stop and yelling I have at a, each uh, other. A, a safe word. We say wow. 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 When, when we say something we shouldn't say in front of the kids about each other, <laughs> one of us goes, Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's perfect. And then we know, okay, let's cut this until later because <laughs> it's gone too far. That's so good. Yeah. That's really funny. Wow. That's our keyword. Wow. <laughs> so what are we doing next week, guys? The Rock? I think we're going to watch uh, a little art house film called The Rock, which the has Rock. nothing to do with Dwayne Johnson. Oh, <laughs> oh but it, darn. if it did, it would be even better. Oh, yeah. I kind of wish he was in it, but... <laughs> With that elect- most electrifying <laughs> move. <laughs> you guys can't see it, but I'm slapping yeah, my elbow slapping right his elbow. now. He's got his eyebrow up, too. Ooh, but you know who The Rock does have? Uh, TT. TT. Don't want to say his name too many times. He might appear on the show. Uh, what? 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 Oh, I was so excited last time I watched it to see him in that. What do you know about The Rock? Anything? Other nothing. Than he's a wrestler? Absolutely okay. nothing. Cool. Cool. Thanks for joining us on the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us at facebook.com slash remedialfilmpod. We'll be back next week with the 90s classic, The Rock. What's the year so I can find the right movie? Uh, We're going to probably do a Meg thing so you won't have to worry about it. Okay. She's able to operate the... Yeah, for our listeners' benefit. The Meg thing is where my wife, Meg, 
sets up the movie on a, like a blank paused screen so that I don't see any of the art right. or any of the credits or and whatever. And so you don't Some read G. that the movie you're watching is based on the same book as the movie you watched last week. You know, because <laughs> I, I, I listened to a little bit of Manhunter too, and I was like, when you asked me that, I was it totally slipped my mind that like I didn't even pop this movie in. We had a in. back and forth. I'm we, like, he's going to say it. Meg did it. <laughs> Um, yeah, Meg started the movie because you told me to have her start it. Right. And I think she started it after it said that. So that's why I don't remember it. So you it. never even saw the opening I never scene even with, s- the, with the woman being woken up in her bed? When did the, based on the novel... That happened in between the, the scene where the woman wakes up in her bedroom. Okay, no, never mind. Because I did see the... And then the beach. No, I did see the intro and the beach scene. Yeah. And it was when, the, during the beach scene, because of the dialogue... That I realized it I was watched it Man again Hunter. on mute, and it's still the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do appreciate it more. So after what our I said, what I said in the pod at the time was that I wasn't paying attention to the credits because I didn't want whatever it was I was supposed to be surprised about to be spoiled. Right. That is true, because I it, it was on the screen and I didn't read it. Which Dan said you're going to miss it completely. Yeah. I, was, I was like, you do realize it says based on, I was, <laughs> based on Red Dragon. I was worried. Like Dude, guys, read it. <laughs> when I'm trying to when I'm trying to be surprised, like I have a I have a really good, like I have really good willpower with that. Like, right. It's like, oh, this is like this could have a spoiler. Like, uh, but let me read it anyway. It's like I don't do that. If, if I'm like I don't want it to be spoiled, like I very easily I can just shut it off. I just just won't read the words. Well, the reason why we do that is because like a movie like. Dust Till Dawn, when you buy the DVD, they assume you have seen it already. Right. So they do like a whole montage and all this stuff and they give away everything in yeah, the, me- in the, in the me- menu. In the DVD menu. It's like, why? <laughs> it's like, why? You can't give away plot holes. Yeah. Or, no, plot holes. So, plot plot, holes. plot uh, <laughs> Devices? Uh, devi- like I, babies? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. And that's my, my biggest issue it's with like, DVDs. It's like, you know, you like, you pop in the movie signs and it's just like, Mel Gibson swinging a baseball bat. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> the glass of water flies across the screen. It's like, yes. why are they giving away the movie? What if I lent this out to somebody? Exactly. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> the fuck DVD menu people? Now, if it's like the fourth commemorative, you know, 4K reissue, you know, reunion anniversary edition, you know, criterion. Okay. Yeah. Some geek bought this <laughs> and he's seen it 27 times. But the regular DVD, don't give away the movie in the menu. It's so dumb. Drives me nuts. <laughs> it's bothered me since, I guess, around VHSs Maybe, when yeah, they didn't do that. <laughs> you pop in the sixth sense and you see, it's like, you're, <laughs> Bruce Willis' like, funeral. The, it's like, what? Yeah, the, wedding, yeah, the wedding ring rolling across the screen. <laughs> right on the menu, it's like... <laughs> He's grabbing the red doorknob. He's been dead the whole time. That's like a scrolling text. Dead the whole time. <laughs> it's like, why? What's the like, point? I led this to my mom. She's never seen it. Roger Ebert says, you won't believe he was dead the whole time. <laughs> Damn it. Now I get it if it's the movie Titanic and you show the boat sinking. We all know the boat sank. Unless it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. Maybe right, it didn't. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Oh man! So well, I think we talked about the Jaws thing, where it's like if you watch it in reverse, it's a story about a shark that keeps throwing up people until <laughs> they go lay out on the beach. <laughs> he puts them back together, and oh shit, man! This week, just uh, to oh kill God. time, uh, wife was working, kids were in bed. <laughs> I put on some unsolved mysteries from the eighties. Ooh, yes! And I I watched that as a kid, so I, Me too. I was four, five, six years old watching this on TV. The one I watched involved the Black Dahlia killer. Yeah. And at one point, he, the detective guy, like describes in graphic detail genital mutilation and the fact that she was like gutted and yeah. cleaned and found in two pieces. And then they have like a recreation where there's two sheets <laughs> slightly <laughs> separated. Oh my God. I, why did my parents let me watch that show? Robert, is it Robert Stack? Robert Stack. I used to yeah. Love, God. To be fair, it they, might explain a lot about what's wrong with me, right? <laughs> that yeah. I grew up watching that in Rescue 911. But I turned out fine, right? 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 <laughs>